All right, well, for those of you guys who missed it last weekend, there were like 500 of us in Mexico, and, uh, oh, yeah, it was just, I wasn't just, it was like one of the funnest things we've ever done as a church, because it, it, it's, I mean, you know how there's this energy when we get together, and there's more energy when we're worshiping together? Well, when you get together to serve and actually do something, it's like it just takes it up to another level. And it was just so fun just going, man, look at us. There's hundreds of us, you know, hundreds of us down here in Mexico getting ready to serve, to paint, to build, to, you know, just love the people in Mexico. And, ah, what an absolute blast. I, I had no idea it was going to be that much fun, you know, because I had never been in an environment like that where so many of us came together to serve. I, and I bring it up, we're going to show a little video next week, you know, just kind of recapping and reminding us of everything we did there. But it's just one of those life-changing experiences for me, just to go, wow, that's what it feels like when a large part of the body of Christ gets together and works together on a project. And, and honestly, you know how in life, we don't have that many life-changing experiences. Most of the stuff we do is routine, right? I mean, you remember what you did on Tuesday? No, it just blended in with Wednesday, Monday, you know, and you remember what you did three weekends ago, you go, oh, just blend in with every other weekend, but then every once in a while you get an opportunity to do something that you know you'll remember for the rest of your life, and uh, like right now, you know, I was just talking to someone who just got back from New Orleans from our church, you know, just last service, just going, oh, life-changing, just going down there, helping, rebuilding, serving, I'll never forget it. You know, I talked to people who came back after, you know, going to Indonesia, after the tsunami, and go, I will never forget that. Life-changing. Because when you get opportunities for life-changing experiences, you've got to jump on it. Life's too short. You've got to build in experiences like that in your life. And so if you have any opportunities during the season, go. Don't just live another day. Don't just have another routine. Yes, life is way too short for that. In fact, I was even praying for this this morning because I'm like, God, I don't want this to be lumped in with last weekend and the weekend before and just another bit of knowledge in our head. And oh yeah, we had service again at Cornerstone. I'm like, God, I want this hour to be a life-changing experience. And, and I've prayed for this, and I've prayed for the right words to say today. I, I mean, I do that every week, but this, this week is, is, is pretty special to me. Because again, I'm talking about something that's so dear to my heart, which is a high view of God. And understanding just how big God is. How great He is. Because to me, this, this is everything. What you think about God and your view, your image of just how holy, how great He is, is the most important thing about you. In fact, I was praying, I was praying with Corey. Corey uh, kind of runs our whole media department, and we're praying because now these video podcasts, you know, some of you are going, what in the world is that? Don't worry about it. It's just these things that the kids use now. And it's just like, you know, the people all around the world, literally the world, are just logging on the Internet, downloading onto their iPods, hearing our sermons and watching me on these little videos. And you're just going, what in the world? And we're, we're praying for this to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Are we sure we want this? Are we sure we want this? And I, I began to pray, and I, and I actually prayed. And I said, God, you know what? I don't know that I'm the best person to communicate who you are to everyone in the world. And, and so, God, you know, you know what? I, I pray that people don't listen to me and this message that we give here at Cornerstone if there's someone better that they could be listening to. If there's someone else that will expand their minds, because we all relate to different types of people. 
I said, oh God, if there's, there are people that they could spend their time listening to someone that will give them a bigger view of you, then please don't have them listen to this. Have them listen to the other person. Because all that matters is that they have a huge, huge view of you. And then I just began praying for our church. And I started saying, God, you know what? Maybe not everyone should be coming to Cornerstone because I don't know that I can give you the biggest picture of God, the best understanding of God. And maybe there's someone else that could help you understand Him in a greater way. And my prayer for you is that you would go whatever it takes for you to understand how huge this God is, how amazing He is. And maybe you've come for the longest time and you're hearing, like, oh, another sermon, you know. It's like, you know what? Whatever it takes to expand your mind, to understand this God and understand His greatness, understand His holiness, whatever it takes, you've got to do it because this is the most important thing in your life is to understand how big this God is that you worship. I, I, I listen to some people teach, you know, and I, you know, John Piper is one of those. I've talked about him before. You can hear his messages, desiringgod.org, you know, and just download messages and listen to them on the Internet. Because every time I hear a message about how he describes God, and here's an older man, he's, he's well in his 60s, he's been preaching, and he, he understands God like I don't. And every once in a while I hear a message and I just go, I have no business teaching. I want to understand God like He does. I want to know God better and better and better. And I've just been praying, going, okay, Lord, I, whatever it takes, I, people just have to understand how big you are, how huge you are, how valuable you are. It's not about a church. It's not about anything else. Everything is about God. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I started this series on intimacy with God. And we talked about knowing God and, and, and how valuable it is to know Him. And, and, and you can get to the point where you just go, God, you know what, because I know you, I have no other desires. It's like, the, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. It's like, I'm so content knowing you. You know, we talked about how the psalmist would look at the world and see all these people with their riches, you know, with, with, with all the fame they're getting, their health. And, and he's going, man, that's not fair. These guys are evil and they're rich. They're healthy. And, and meanwhile, I'm trying to live for you and I'm sick, you know, and, and I'm poor and everything else. And he goes, this doesn't seem fair. And then by the end of the psalm, he's just like, you know what? They can have it because I've got you. And he says to God, you know what? I wouldn't trade you for anything. There's nothing on this earth I want but you. And heaven has nothing I desire but you. And we talked about getting to that point where we love God so much. We see this awesome God and we have a relationship with Him and we're just at peace. We're content. There's nothing else we could want. And, and I talked to so many people afterwards and they asked the same question. It was a great question. People said, I want that. I want to love God like that. But I don't right now. How do I get there? You know, it's like, yeah, I see the value of God. I want to love God like that, but honestly, I have all these other desires right now. I'm pursuing all these things with all my heart, and I'm not pursuing God like that, but I want to get there. How do I get there? To which I say, pray. You see, you don't have the power to pray, to, to, to love God on your own. That's how fallen we are. That's how messed up we are. I, I can't just muster up a bunch of love for him. I have to pray to God and say, God, give me the ability to love you. See, I wake up every morning selfishly, thinking about myself. And I have to pray to God and say, God, help me to love you. Help me to love anyone today. And not just myself. I need you. You've got to help me love you. You've got to help me love others. 
to pray. But, but, but even beyond praying, I, I thought, you know what? The greatest thing I can do for you today to help you to love God is just to explain to you how great He is. See, because when you increase the value of something, then it increases your desire for that object. See, because when I say, okay, you've got to have this intimate relationship with God, you go, okay, that's cool. But maybe if I explain God a little bit better, then you'd go, okay, yeah, you're right. That's all I need. It's like this ring I've got on. You know, it's my, my dad's ring, and I don't know what kind of rock's in it, but let, let's, let's say I told you, hey, today when you leave today, I'm going to give everyone a ring just like this. What would you think of that? It's cool. Right? You know, big deal. Okay, it's a ring. That's nice. You know, you get a ring. But what if I explain to you, on this ring is a very rare stone that's worth $4 million. Okay, it's not. So don't go running up here cutting my finger off. It's just some, probably got it at Walmart. But, you know, it's, but let's imagine if I explain to you this ring, okay, this is just the biz- most bizarre thing in the world, but you leave today you're going to receive a ring that's worth $4 million. Suddenly your desire for this goes up, right? So you go, okay, now I want it. You know, now I really want it. And, and I guess that's really what I'm praying for this morning. Is, is I, I just saw in some of your faces when I talk about this relationship with God, you go, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be nice. But maybe if I explain just how valuable God is somehow, Somehow during the service, you'll leave here going, oh, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And like I said, though, it's, it's not something I can create in you. It's not something you can conjure up. It's only something that God can make happen in your heart. And so if you could do me a favor right now, I just want to give you like 30 seconds to pray for yourself. If you would just silently come before God and say, God, would you open my eyes to see how great you are this morning. Just bow your heads right now and honestly come before God and ask Him to open your eyes to see how valuable He is. Father, give us ears to to hear and eyes to see how great you are today. Please, God, help us all leave with a bigger picture of you. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) In Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, we're doing this series on this intimacy with God and knowing God. And, and, and I get so much of that from the Psalms because of the, the way it's written and just talking about this relationship with God. But in Psalm 8, and we're just going to look at four verses today, he says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you've ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? So he starts off and he says, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how glorious, how, 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 how marvelous is your name in all of the earth. 
And he says, you set your glory above the heavens. Because, you know, the heavens, the stars, I mean, your glory, your grandeur is greater than that. And yet, he says, and you've ordained from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. This is a very interesting phrase. He says, you know, this God who created all of this and his glory is beyond all of this and who's so marvelous, so wonderful, so majestic in all the earth, he has ordained for the infants and the children to praise his name. To draw praise from the children, the infants. And it's interesting because that word infants literally means infants. It literally means, it's the word sucklings or a child who is still being breastfed. It's this child, he says he ordains for praise to come out of their mouths. See, that, that kind of surprised me. Because at first I thought, well, I think he's just talking about, you know, you know young teens or whatever. No, he's talking about kids and infants even. You guys know we have two infants at home, you know, we have two little infants at home, and, and, and it helps me, it first helped me, because when they cry, I go, well, they're probably praising God. You know, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in their minds, you know, but it helps me, you know. It's, it's, it's that whole idea, I'm like, God, what, but, but what is this all about, that, that this majestic God would say, you know what I've ordained, you know who I want praising me is those little kids. You know what gives, draws, you know, this, this word for praise is actually the word strength here. Um, from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained strength. Um, why would God choose the infants, the children, to praise his name? Um, the Bible says that he's chosen the, the weak to shame the strong. And, and it's interesting because you know that Jesus actually quotes this particular verse from Psalm 8. Do you remember when he quotes it? It, it was in, a, it's in, it's in Matthew 20, 21, um, when the teachers of the law, if you remember the scene, it's, it's, it's during the, you know, the, the end, you know, right, right before he's going to be crucified, but he's there at the temple, and there's all these little children, it says, in the temple, screaming out, Hosanna, you know, and, and praising Jesus. And then the religious leaders... It says the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the educated religious leaders, come up to Jesus and they are angry. They are furious. And he says, how dare you allow these children to praise you in the temple area? He goes, do you know this? what's going on here? And Jesus replied, yes, I do. And then he quotes this verse. Yes, replied Jesus, have you never read? From the lips of children and infants you've ordained praise. He quotes this psalm, Psalm 8. He goes, didn't you know this was written, that this was going to happen? That you who are so intellectual and so successful and so well-versed, you're unwilling to praise me. And yet I've ordained for these children to do so. Do, do you ever sometimes feel like what we do in this room is more significant than what takes place across the parking lot with the little children in the Sunday school? as they're worshiping? Do you ever get this feel like, it's a real honor to have me here today. It's a real honor for God to have me because I'm pretty successful, you know, not like a lot of the other people in this room. You know, God must really be honored because I'm pretty successful. I'm pretty well known. I, I've got quite a bit of money. Not like those little kids over there just singing little praises to Jesus. People walk in here like that every week. There are people like that. 
In fact, there are people that, that, that have come to me and they'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, do you know who was at service? Every once in a while, I'll have someone famous show up at the service or something. And someone will go, oh, do you know who was at service? I don't know. They'll say, oh, this person, you know, this athlete or, or this actor or this person showed up as though there's something great about that. And we do that. I remember ever since I, I, I was a Christian, I'd go, oh, no, this athlete worships God. He mentioned Jesus in the interview. You know, or, or we just think, gosh, if this uh, you know, singer or this performer would just say the name of Jesus, then everyone would believe. And God's saying, you know what? You know who I want my praise from? I've ordained my praise to come from little children, from infants. And he goes, unless you become like little children and you start having faith like a child and just worship me like a child, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And, but it's interesting, this verse, he says, from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise be, because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Who's the foe and avenger? The devil, good, all right, one guy knows. Okay, it's, it's, it's uh, the devil, he's bad, okay? Uh, the, the enemy, the foe, the avenger is, is Satan. You know, and, and the, the whole idea is, I, I read this verse and I go, well, how does the praise of a little child silence the enemy? Silence the devil? Why has God chosen the praise of these kids and how does that silence the devil? You, you know, I've been asked a question and you've probably been asked it too. It's one of the most commonly asked questions in Christianity. If God is so powerful, why doesn't he destroy the devil? Right? That would silence him. <laughs> Just destroy him. And wouldn't that bring glory to God if he destroyed the devil right now? Absolutely, that would bring glory to God. So why is he waiting till the end time? Why does the book of Revelation talk about this end time? Well, I want you to consider something and why Satan is still alive and well today and tempting us and pulling some people down and spreading all sorts of evil around the world. I want you to consider something. What would bring God more glory? To destroy Satan now? Or leave a period of time where Satan can come and tempt all of us? Okay, what, what brings him more glory? Wouldn't it be if he gave us time, gave Satan some time to tempt us as his children? For, for Satan to say, hey, look what I can offer you. Everything in the world, all the riches, all the fame, all the glory, all the sin, the pornography, everything can be yours. And for you as a child of God to look at everything Satan has to offer and say, no thanks, I'd rather have God. That's what brings him glory. For his children to look at everything the world and Satan has to offer and say, why would I want that when I have God? See, that silences him. It silenced him. Remember when he tempted Jesus? Remember the temptation of Christ? And Satan goes, I'll offer you everything. No thanks. I'd rather have my father. You're starving. I'll turn, you, you can turn the stone into bread. No thanks. That's just food. I, I don't live by bread alone. It's about knowing him. See, when I praise God, when I worship him, when I look at everything in the world, I'm not, I'm not aloof to what the world has to offer. I'm not, it's not like I never get tempted by everything. That, but I go, you know what? No thanks. God, that's what I want. I'm content with Him because that brings Him glory. More glory than if He were just to destroy Him now is for His children to silence Him by praising Him. 
You know, and then he goes on. He and, and I love this verse. Verse three goes, "When I consider the heavens, okay, ah, I love this verse. When I consider the heavens, because when I look up in the sky and I see the work of your fingers, you know, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place, then I go, who, who am I? What what is man that you would even care about me? That you'd even think about me?" Now, those who have uh, been around for a while, you know that I've always been intrigued by the stars, right? You know, I think for the last 12 years, every once in a while I'll just slip in something like, oh, I just learned this about the earth. I just learned this about the sun. And I'll go, ah, you know, we're spinning around. You know, and I'll, I'll just explain, you know, the universe because every time I see or I learn something new, I just go, I can't believe this. <laughs> Guys, I, I've been absolutely floored the last couple of weeks by what I've, what I've learned about our solar system. In fact, this week... Um, our, our IT guy, uh, Jonathan Howard, he had this program, this computer program, explaining, showing what it would look like if we, we slowly pulled away from the earth and took steps away from the earth and what we would see, you know, as we passed the moon, as we passed the sun. And I want to share it with you, okay? I want to show this to you because it's when you consider and think about these things that your, your view of God and your awe of why he would love you it just increases by so much. And so, so look at the screen. I'm going to explain what, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay? Just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California. And we're going, to, we're going to rise up for a little bit here. Okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. So you're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now... We're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually 
it's, it's a big galaxy, and, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. They say at 100 million light years, that's as far as our telescopes would go. And they say at that point, our, our telescopes aren't powerful enough and our knowledge of physics isn't complete enough to understand what happens there. Because they say actually they believe that that's an actual edge. And they say if we could understand what's on the other side, they believe that's where time began because they, they say at that point, time and space are actually curved. Now, now to try to understand that right now, there's no way, okay? It, it's, there's no way to simplify it. Maybe if we had hours and, and we, you know, we just kept the Asians behind, we could understand this together. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I don't get it. You know, but it's just this, this whole idea. But you guys probably do, huh? But there's this whole idea that, uh, you know, you get to this edge and it's, it's like, Time and space, you, you know how they say if you go with certain speed, the time slows down and light, and, and it's just this whole understanding, but you just go, are you kidding me? What, what, is, what is this? You know, I was studying just our Milky Way, just that galaxy that we live on, and I was reading about it this week, and it was explained that the shape of this galaxy we live in is it's like a pancake. It's like this, this big pancake with a bulge in the middle. And yesterday when I was making breakfast, I, I made a little replica of it. Um, this, this is not to scale. Okay, but uh, it's this whole idea of, okay, if this were our galaxy, that's pretty good, huh? Put a little golf ball in there and flipped it. Okay, if this were our galaxy, this, this is so fascinating. Okay, there's no, there's no, not even a chance that I could make a speck visible to the human eye to show us our whole solar system. Okay, there's no way that you would see our whole solar system, our sun, everything within this galaxy. Because you know how big this is? A light year. Okay, a light year is traveling at the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 186, miles a second. Think about that. 186, if you could go 186,000 miles in one second, that's fast. 186,000 miles in a second, that's a light year. No, that's, that's, that's a speed of light. A light year is traveling at 186,000 miles a second for a whole year. Imagine how far you would go in one second, much less one year. That's a light year. Do you know how long it would take to get from one edge of our galaxy to the other? A hundred thousand light years. 
So to get from this edge to this edge, you would have to travel at 186,000 miles per second for 100,000 years. You just go, what? That doesn't make any sense. That's, what that's how long it would take to get from one edge to a to the other. So imagine how fast you would pass the earth within the first fraction of a second as the earth is just a few thousand miles in diameter. I mean, you, you can't even measure that within a second. And you're going to travel for 100,000 years at the speed of light to get from one edge to the other. There's no way you would see our earth, that our earth is buried in this somehow. And the last scene where I showed you where the, the, all those galaxies, do you know how many of these things are out there? They're estimating about 350 billion. 350 billion galaxies. And we're buried as this tiny planet inside of one of these. And God says, I've set my glory above the heavens. Are you fascinated by what I made? You should see me. The God who created all of this. See, and it blows me away how people will walk in here and think they're big. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You guys, I, I was praying for it today and I'm going, you know, Lord, I, I don't really have to say anything. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. See, I can sit here and try to use words to describe how great our God is and try to declare to you how great He is. And God says, now my heavens will do that for me. Psalm 19 says night after night they pour forth speech. I'm just going to let creation speak for itself today. In fact, I'm going to show you another, I'm going to show you another video. And this is, this is just a scene because I, I don't want to say a whole lot. I just want you to look. And whatever God's going to do in your heart, He's going to do in your heart. But this, this video is going to be a picture of you, kind of similar. You're, you're pulling away from the earth. But the difference in this one is, what it, what it does is, you know, we have this Hubble Space Telescope that takes pictures of things out there in space. And they're going to look like paintings, but they're real pictures. And the whole idea, these are things that we see out there. And what you're going to see along the way is, you know, you'll go part of the way and you'll see the space telescope, I mean the, the, the space station. Go a little further, you're going to see the moon. It's what you would see along the way as you go further, further, further. And then once you get out to the edge of what we can see in the edge of the universe, 100 million light years, it's just going to slowly zoom you all the way back to the earth. And I just want you to see this earth that you live on and this world and this universe that God created and allow God to speak to your heart and your soul about who He is and who you are in relation to Him. So just fix your eyes on the screen.
pretty humbling. Just think about our existence in comparison to God. I know after I saw that, I was like, I don't want to do anything else except talk to God. What else is there to do? What else is there to do on this earth? What's more significant? I want to give you just a couple minutes right now, just of silence, because I think we need it. Just to say whatever you need to say to that God. But would you just bow your heads right now and close your eyes? And just picture yourself leaving the earth right now, past the moon, past the sun, past the Milky Way galaxy, all those other galaxies, into the presence of God, and just speak to Him.
it's just the most amazing thought that that God who created all that heard the praise of these two little kids. You know, that so somehow while we look at ourselves and we go, gosh, who am I on this little planet that this God would notice me and yet the Bible says he does. And he heard your prayers and he ordained for little children to praise him and he's this God that wants a relationship with me on this little planet. Guys, what else matters? I mean, do you, are you seeing the value of God and the worth of God and going, why would I desire other things? I know that God. And my whole identity is wrapped up in being known by, who, by Him. That's it. There's nothing great in and of myself. I mean, what's great about you on this little planet? The greatest thing about you is that that God knows you and knows every detail of your life and that He hears when we worship Him. And He just makes you realize, it. I don't know what it does for you when you look at the planets and everything else, the stars and universe, but I just go, I don't know what else to do on this earth other than worship. It's the only thing I know to do is just keep telling this God how great He is. And so that's what we're going to do right now. So the worship team is going to come up and we're just going to worship Him. It's just the only logical thing to do is not try to come up with some clever way to praise him just to tell him God you're, you're everything and if this has done something to you and maybe you need some prayer maybe some of you have never begun a relationship with God and you don't understand how this God out there would actually love you and want a relationship with you and you want to get started I'm going to be up here by the prayer room to pray with you if you have any questions if you want to get baptized this morning and say you know what I'm ready to begin this relationship with him I'd like to publicly just say, God, you see me on this earth. I'm going to give my life to you and follow you the rest of my life. This is all that matters now. You can do that. But for the rest of us, let's worship God like we've never worshipped him before. Let's understand who we're singing to now, the God of the universe.